Well, it's great to be with you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I'm going to read from Mark's Gospel, uh, chapter 4, beginning in verse 35 to the end of the chapter. Uh, Would you listen now with open ears as I read these words from the book that we love? On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great whirlwind, a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this then, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to this time and we sit under these words and we've uh, sung these songs, we've um, been led uh, in a call to worship, um, in confessing our sins. And Lord, I recognize um, that as we are gathered from uh, all kinds of physical places this morning, uh, we no doubt also come here from all kinds of uh, emotional, spiritual, mental places uh, as well. Lord, some of us come here, uh, and though we are sick of this quarantine, uh, our lives are relatively calm and peaceful. Others of of us have tuned in this morning, and our lives um, feel very much like the passage that has just been read. We feel like the boat is filling with water, uh, and we are joining the disciples and asking the question, Lord, do you care? And Lord, I recognize further that some of us are tuning in this morning and We are a Christian today. We believe in you. We um, believe that there is life after this one uh, with you. We believe the scriptures. And Lord, others of us are tuning in, and we're not sure what to think about you. We're not sure if you're real. We're not sure if the scriptures are true. We're not sure if these words will uh, have any bearing, any impact, any substance uh, to speak into the things that we are most concerned about. And I pray, therefore, that whatever place we find ourselves in this morning, uh, whether we come here full of faith or full of doubt, whether we come here uh, in relative calm or whether we come here a complete mess, pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, that we all come here ultimately the same, uh, with an overwhelming need to know you, to hear from you, to be changed by you, and ultimately, uh, as these disciples, to be rescued by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen and good morning. Uh, This morning, what I want to do is uh, look with you at this uh, familiar passage to many of you, perhaps. To some, this may be the first time. But this story of our Lord falling asleep during a storm with His disciples and asking this question, what does it mean to walk with Jesus Christ as His disciple? Uh, At Ironworks, we are about making disciples. That is, we are about calling men, women, and children to follow Jesus Christ with all that they are and all that they have, believing that that is the absolute best life to be lived. But it does beg the question, what does that look like? How does it work? 
How does it change the way I feel? How does it change and speak into the decisions that I make? What kind of impact does it have on my life? And this passage I have found to be so personally helpful in speaking into these questions to me. Uh, this morning, uh, we're looking at this, and uh, one thing I, I want to point out is that no matter how long you have been walking with Christ, if you are walking with Him, right, if you're a Christian this morning, uh, whether you've been a Christian for a year or for 50 years, you never stop learning new things about Him, right? One uh, pastor said that he believes in all eternity, we will never exhaust growing in our knowledge of God because God Himself is infinite. And what we find is that I believe the disciples are evidencing sort of a paradigm for what that looks like. What does it look like to be walking with God? What does it look like to be in discipleship of Jesus Christ? Well, at this point in Mark's gospel, I want to just remind you of what's happened. Uh, These men who are with Jesus in this boat right? On one hand, it might seem like they are relatively new to becoming His disciples. On the other hand, they've already left their jobs to follow Him. They've seen Him exercise demons. They've seen Him do incredible acts of healing. So, they are not uh, new to the phenomenon that is the power of Jesus Christ. They are coming to Him with actually a substantial amount of experience in this regard, And I think that's crucial uh, if we're going to understand Mark's point. So, the first thing that I want to look at is this, to walk with Jesus Christ in discipleship, to follow Him. One thing that this passage points out is that to do that generally means that at some point in time, you will have to follow Him through a storm, right? In my outline, I'm calling it, it involves storms, right? Uh, These men that were with Jesus were experienced fishermen who would have spent considerable time honing their craft. They would have been incredibly familiar with uh, the sea that they were on. They would have known how to do uh, these voyages. They would have been trained in safety, right? And as they depart in the evening, perhaps even at dark, as they cross this sea, They become absolutely terrified as their boat begins to fill with water. And what I want you to do, and perhaps this might be helpful, is even close your eyes for a second. I want you to imagine being on a vessel. I want you to imagine it rocking violently. I want you to imagine wind and rain so dense that you cannot even see your comrades. I want you to try to feel the adrenaline pumping through the veins of these fishermen. I want to remind you that in that day, there was no such thing as a life vest, and that if you went overboard, right, likely in the dark, that you would not likely be able to be rescued, but you would perish. And the disciples, as they find themselves in this place, in this absolute horror, they then wake sleeping Jesus up, and they ask Him this question. They say this. They say, do you care that we are perishing? And of course, that leads me to my next point, which is that to to walk in discipleship of Jesus Christ, right? First, it involves storms. You will walk through Him, walk with Him through a storm if you live long enough, right? You will go through a storm, 
And then secondly, we see that very likely it will involve you questioning him. It will involve you questioning him. Uh, This was very profoundly illustrated uh, for me uh, in a story told by my wife um, just this past Friday. Uh, uh, Pastor Robbie's going to pray for our family's prayer request. My daughter had to go to the ER on Friday down at DuPont, um, and, and we're still following up with that. But when Chrissy was in the ER waiting for imaging, there was a woman weeping in the waiting room. And she walked over uh, to that woman to offer some care, and the woman just kept weeping, saying, he won't give me more than I can bear. I know that he won't give me more than I can bear. You see this woman, her four-month-old child uh, was diagnosed with brain cancer. And you see, for her, this, this storm, right, these storms can be very real. They can shake you to the absolute core of who you are. And if you are honest, you will find yourself asking this exact question of God saying, do you actually care about what we are experiencing? And by the way, can I just say as a pastor that... Um, I think it's fine to verbalize that. I think most, most people that I walk with, uh, most people think it, only some verbalize it, right? Uh, really isn't much of a difference. Um, but these disciples were verbalizing it. This woman down at DuPont, uh, who we will also be praying for her and her daughter, or, uh, were, was verbalizing it as well. But you see, the Scripture says this. It says, He does care. It, it, it affirms in the very most clear way that you can be absolutely sure that no matter what you're experiencing, no matter how intense the storm, no matter how bad the diagnosis, no matter how frightening the circumstances, you can take to the bank every day of the year the assurance that he cares. For example, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this, cast all your cares upon him knowing that He cares for you. You can take that to the bank. But we find that this is the experience of the disciples. And friends, I'll tell you, um, you know, I've been doing this now uh, since 2011, uh, and I can tell you that if you are in this space, if you find yourself thinking this, maybe not verbalizing it, saying, God, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. You're giving me more than I can bear. This seems too hard, too tough. Do you care? You're not alone in asking that. All of your friends have or will ask that as well at some point in time, I believe. And we find here in the, in the Scriptures that this was the case even for those who watched Jesus heal a paralyzed man. Right? Just two chapters earlier, Mark chapter 2, Jesus will heal uh, a paralyzed man, absolutely astonishing His disciples and so these folks have seen his power, they've heard his teaching, they've watched him exercise demons, they've watched him heal the sick in the most profound way, and yet when the boat, when the water level in the boat rises high enough, they still find themselves asking this exact same question, do you care? So that's the second thing. Uh, to, To follow Jesus Christ involves storms, but then it will very likely involve you asking this question, do you 
care. But it doesn't stop there. You see, Jesus doesn't, the uh, story doesn't end with that question. Instead, it goes on to another question, but this time it's Jesus questioning you. You see, just like the disciples questioned Jesus, do you care? He will return to them his own question. So as they raise him uh, and they ask him this question, he uh, responds to them with his own question. And you know, I want to tell you that, by the way, uh, I don't understand why this is, but there's something about preaching and teaching that just makes you exhausted. Um, So Robbie and I will probably sleep well (laughs) later today. It's just the way it is. I think it perhaps has to do with adrenaline. I don't know. But Jesus, after a long day of teaching and preaching, probably, you know, using all the energy he had to speak as loudly as possible to these large crowds that were gathering without amplification, right, he is absolutely exhausted, right, keeping in mind that our Lord Jesus Christ felt every emotion, he felt every sensation uh, of the human body, and he was exhausted. And so he's sleeping even through uh, this storm. The disciples raise him, they ask him the question that we've just dealt with, and Jesus instantly rebukes the wind, he rebukes the sea, and then he turns to them in verse 40, and he says this, why are you still afraid? Have you still no faith? And I puzzle over this question. What is he saying here? What, what is he saying to you this morning? What is he saying to me? Um, I don't think that he is speaking words of condemnation, though it might sound that way. I don't think that was the case. I don't think he was condemning them for having no faith. I think he had a purpose uh, that went beyond that. You see, let's uh, look at it a little deeper. Faith in the Scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 is defined as, quote, the assurance of things not seen, right? So you believe in things that are not seen. If you are a Christian, by very definition, you believe that things exist that you don't see. You believe that God is real. You believe that heaven exists is a place. You believe that Jesus Christ rules and reigns throughout the events of time and history in rulers and kings and authorities and even in your own family. You believe that, right? You can't see it. It's unseen, and that's why we call it faith. Faith is the assurance of things that are not seen. And faith, therefore, only functions in times where you can't see right? Where you, can, where you can see what's happening, faith is not necessary, right? So, in the calm water, when you're on a peaceful cruise down the river and the boat is just performing beautifully and you are having a big old time, uh, that's not faith, right? That's sight. Faith functions in the absence of sight. That's where faith functions. Faith functions when the boat is filling with water, when the storm is raging, when you can't see your comrades, and then when you see this man whom you have left everything to follow, when you see him sleeping like a baby on the cushion in the middle of the storm. And friends, I want to tell you that I don't believe faith means that you'll never freak out, that you'll never have 
you know, a breakdown of sorts, that you'll never lose it when you find yourself in circumstances like this. But what I do think Jesus is saying is this, that faith has the power to impact your fear. Do you see that? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And so faith has the power to impact your fear. Another way of saying it is that faith has the power to bring a certain kind of peace in the midst of chaos. So, for example, Paul uh, will say, um, he will describe the peace that surpasses understanding. Right, that as you bring your anxieties to God, this is Philippians chapter 4, he will say, in the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, which, which no one can explain, right? When your friends see you in the midst of your own storm and God has, is growing your faith so that you have a peace that they can't explain, that they can't make sense of, that surpasses their ability to understand, that what will be happening is that your friends, your neighbors, your loved ones, will be actually experiencing the product of actual faith. Tim Keller, following uh, famous preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, says it this way, which I, I find to be helpful. He says, you know, it's not as much do you have faith, but get it out. But lean into it. But go back to what you know. You know, it's interesting. When I started preparing this sermon, I wasn't... Um, wasn't planning to be preparing it while uh, two members of my family were down in a children's hospital emergency room. Wasn't planning that. But I'll tell you, as, I was, as we were waiting on results and waiting on tests and all this other kind of stuff, um, I found myself going back to the storm, going back to these men, putting myself in their place, and then actually asking these questions personally. Do you care? Do you have power? Are you on the throne? Are you good? And friends, I can tell you that he met with me in that place. And I long for him to meet with you in your version of that. I long for him to meet with you in that place where you are. You see, the storms, I do believe, are inevitable. Scripture says as much. Right? All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Uh, in this life, you will have troubles, right? That is, is, that is a reality that we face that is not, I don't want to sugarcoat anything for you. But I believe that as you walk through those times, as you walk through those circumstances, that you can have a peace, that you can have a peace that He is real, that He is with you, that He has got everything under control, that every wind, every particle of the sea is absolutely under His authority, under His control. That not every, everything is not resting on your shoulders, on uh, you for the decisions to make, that you can trust Him, that you can lean into faith during those times, that you can find actual substance to sustain you in a way that will puzzle those around you. That's what these disciples were learning. That is discipleship as we experience these things. And I want to close just looking at um, one of the reasons why I think you can take this to the bank over and over and over again. You see, the disciples were led to ask this question, Jesus, do you care about this storm? Right? We're not sure you do because you're over there sleeping. Do you care about this storm? 
right? Can we, you know, they, they were asking the question, can we actually trust this guy? Just like some of you perhaps are asking that question this morning. But you see, friends, uh, Jesus did rebuke the wind. He did rebuke the waves. He was not concerned about those overtaking the disciples. But one thing he was concerned about, I believe, was another storm that was brewing, was a storm that was coming near. You see, it's interesting, um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, our Lord Jesus finds himself praying, and and actually, in some respects, assuming the position of the disciples himself as he's on his face, sweating like drops of blood on the ground, pleading with his father to take this copy. This, he, he is like that woman in DuPont saying, this, please take it. Please, you won't give me more than I can bear. He is in that exact place, and guess what's happening in the next distance over? His disciples are sleeping. Disciples are sleeping, and he, he walks to them, and he says, could you not watch one hour? Could you not just stay awake and pray for me right now? But they couldn't because they were weak. But Jesus has to face the storm. This storm will not go away. It will consume every part of him as the full wrath and the full punishment and the full penalty for sin is poured out on him as he absorbs the full weight of all of the times that we have not trusted Him, all of the times that we have looked to other things and other people and other resources instead of Him, of all of the times that we have acted selfishly or in lust or in greed or in anger, all of the times that we've been untruthful, all of that penalty, all of that burden falls upon Him in a storm that cannot be compared to anything in all of human history, to no pandemic, to no disease, There's nothing that compared to what he's experiencing, and yet, as he cries out on that cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your face away from me? But The Scripture goes on to tell us that what he was doing, he was was allowing the storm to have its way with him, so that you will never have to walk through a storm alone. You will never have to be alone. You will never have to feel like there's no one there who cares and who has resources to handle things. You will never have to be alone. You can walk through the fire and say, I know you are with me. You can walk through all kinds of upheaval in our, our world, our lives, our families, and you can say, I know that you're with me. I know that you're good. I know that you have this. I want to lean into you because I watched you go through that storm for me. I watched you have, let the storm have its way with you for me. And so friends, I want to just invite you to consider uh, with me the resources of the gospel in this season we find ourselves in. I want to invite you to ask the question, because he cares, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my city? How can we show leadership right now to those who are freaking out? How can we be the servants of this place as we walk with one who's always with us, who will never leave us, who will never forsake us? How can we do that? We can do that because we believe he's with us.
We can do that because we believe he has this. Let me pray for you.